Welcome to Teachings in the Air. Air, air. Welcome to Teachings in the Air podcast with Jerry Oldman. Coming to you from Hunkaminam Territory with a podcast series about indigenous men's health and wellness. We aim to inspire, motivate, and empower indigenous men to be sound in mind, body, and spirit because that's what health means. This is Jerry Oldman from Teachings in the Air. This is segment two of the Ceremony Over Distance podcast. Okay, maybe we can get some questions if there's. A... We have we have an avalanche of questions, Elder. Okay. So I'll uh, I'll start um, listing them off here. So. Um, So one of the first ones uh, is a little bit more specific, um, and it comes from Janet, and she says, "Good morning, Jerry. You spoke of chewing um, chewing on bitter roots. Um, Janet just wants to know what what is that specifically? Bitter root. It's um, I I get it from the northern Cree people, you know, and uh, <laughs> this is where I." I talk about my love for bitter root, but to say I've never harvested it. So I've never seen them take it. But I have bitter root here and I chew it. And that's where my... First, I used to think it's just for singers. People that are singing. You know, and I, and I, and I would use that for singing. And also, I feel it helps my, um, you know, the phlegm lining in my throat throughout my lungs. It keeps it clear. You know, uh, just like mullein does that too. It dissolves um, phlegm in your lungs if you're getting accumulation there. It keeps that clear. That, um, that, that uh, bitter root or rat root, I call it rat root. And so I chew on that. And part, well, the main part is because I had uh, the walking pneumonia before. So I want to keep my lungs clear. Because before, you know, I just like almost like a smoker. You can hear me cough <coughs> once in a while, like a phlegmy cough. But I use that medicine that doesn't, it's not there. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, I think Jerry. that bitter root that I'm talking about, there's probably, I know there's some called bear root and bitter root, rat root. The ones that I know comes from the water lily root. So you have to get it in the water. There's another uh, root that I use and I got from the Okanagan. I think the only time they dig it is in the nighttime. Or if they're digging in the daytime, they cover themselves with a the blanket to dig the root out. 
you know, and so, but I use that as a tea too to help. Another really good one is um, chaga, and it's to help with anti-inflammatory. And I take that now when I get flare-ups of, um, I had gout and I used that, and it's anti-inflammatory, and it's off the birch tree. You know, that part that grows off the birch tree. Really good medicine. Awesome. Thanks, Jerry. Um, so we have another question here. Uh, what can we do to celebrate the hard work of frontline health workers to show appreciation from afar? And I think we kind of talked about a little bit about that, hey, about uh, participating in ceremony and sending good energy when possible. Is there anything else you wanted to add to that, Elder? Well, I feel that um, this, you know, this statement, the more the merrier, is to get people involved with you. Like I know on Vancouver Island in Victoria at seven o'clock every night, there's people outside banging pots and pans to thank the frontline workers. You know, and I heard that, I got tears when I said, oh my gosh. Then I seen the, the police cars and stuff in St. Paul's Hospital in Vancouver going by with their lights flashing their sirens on, giving thanks to the frontline workers. And I feel we can do this. Like if you get a Facebook group of friends or whatever, and you start drawing posters or you start singing together, chanting together, and let everyone know it's around you, this is for the frontline workers. Because even if the frontline workers don't hear you, my belief is, is that they'll feel it when it's sincerely coming from you and your group. You know, every bit of energy you put out is not wasted. It travels. So my hope is that more and more of us do ceremony, for instance, that we sit down, we light a candle or the smudge or in front of a bowl of, of water, or, you know, and, and send energy to the healers. Because the doctors and nurses are healers. And the ones that are looking for the cure, they're healers. Send energy to them. But I, I really encourage you to, even if it's just two of you, say, okay, let's go outside. We're going to sing a song for the frontline workers. Then announce it and then go out and do it. That would help. Awesome. Thank you, Jerry. Um, so for everybody that's following along, we have, we have many questions and I'll try to get as many of them as I can. Um, we're just going to kind of go through them here. Um, Jim Herbert raised his hand, whoever that. <laughs> <laughs> I see that in my screen. Yeah. Um, so we have a question from, from Cher. Um, she, she says, many thanks for listing, lifting us up and sharing your teachings. I wonder how I, as a non-Indigenous person, can support my graduate students um, to find medicines to make their spirits strong during this difficult time. So, I, you know, again, as, as a non-Indigenous person, how could um, Cher support her, her Indigenous graduate students during this time to find medicine and be strong? You know, that, that medicine doesn't know color. And every medicine that comes out of the earth is for a human being. And uh, the big thing that stops us from using natural medicines 
for indigenous people is that at the very beginning of our contact with Europeans, it was identified as a devil's tool, the medicines that we're using. And uh, so I really appreciate that question because uh, the biggest way she can do it is say, I believe in what your people used. So I encourage you to go back to it, find out how to use it, how to harvest it, where to get it. If you can trade for it, trade for it, but start to use it sincerely. It's like the sweetgrass, you know, or the sage or the juniper. To me, juniper is a magnet for negativity. So when I burn juniper, it's to get negativity out of my mind or out of my body or to protect me from negativity, to make a shield against negativity. So that uh, that one of, I, I tell this to um, nurses and doctors, you know, and I say, you know, when you go work with indigenous people, you tell them that what we used before was effective, that you believe that. Because we we're very healthy people before contact. Very healthy, strong in our mind, body, and spirit. To know that Men in the plateau were running down moose on foot and slicing their tendons with a sharp razor, sharp piece of flint to feed the people. To do that, you have to be very healthy. To know that um, people on the West Coast were hunting whales off canoes made without metal. That person is very healthy. To walk up the mountain and come back with tons of berries for the winter, those people were healthy. You know, but what we got the assimilation process was to get, absorb us into civilized European lifestyle. Some will argue it wasn't civilized, but I know there was civilness in there amongst themselves, but we got excluded. <laughs> but we're not anymore. There's no law that stops us anymore. But I really encourage white Canadians or people that aren't from Canada to support indigenous people and let them know, you know what, if you do that, I, I don't have any kind of negative feeling to you or anything. Just please do it because I know it works for you. It'll work for them too. Awesome. Thank you for those words, Elder, I appreciate it. Um, so our, our next question from Peter. Do you believe at this time, uh, this time of, of, of the virus, um, that we are able to, to raise up with our ceremony? Um, and I think what Pete's asking here, Peter is asking is, um, you know, given how much time that we have for introspection, um, because we're all self-isolating, um, is, it, is it time for all of us to kind of reconnect and, and try to, to, to place the importance of ceremony into our lives again? Yeah, yes, I believe that this is an opportunity. It's an opportunity for people to start to learn their language. Like I, I've been telling families, you know, half an hour every day, get auntie or uncle to phone you and put them on speakerphone and start to have them speak the language and we start to learn it. You know, like there's teachings in that language. I could just hear my grandmother, ah, She's telling me in her grandmother voice, don't you say bad words to people, son. She's saying, because that will hurt us. 
it'll hurt you eventually if you use bad words against people because they're going to come back at you. You know, so we can start to. Uh, my, uh, one, I'm so happy about this webinar because it's about ceremony. And my dream is that we all start to ceremony again when we have a glass of water, when a baby's born. You know, in times of funerals and things that we ceremony together and we feel that. For a ceremony to be real, for me, means we must feel it. It's not a walkthrough. We, we're participating, we're active participants, and we feel it. Even if we're just sitting there listening. We open ourselves up to feel it. And I think this is a, we can do that now by having webinars like this, listening to other elders talk about the importance of this ceremony. I, you know, the, the assimilation was so, it was so brilliant. Because in 19, you know, 19, let's say 1965, I'll pick 65, there was not one hand drum song being sung in my community. Not one. It wasn't until 1976 that they started to come out again. Maybe a little bit earlier when they say the eagle landed on the moon, people started picking up our ways again. You know, so I, I feel that now is the time because we can talk to our children with our creation stories, how to train stories that we can do this now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you, Alder. Um, sorry about that. So, uh, okay, another question. Um, oh, so Jane asks, um, I have adopted the smudging practices to help my wellness uh, and red road of healing, but I have been criticized for using another cultural teaching. I was not always connected to my cultural roots, have lived away from my family, community, and ceremony practices, um, as so many of us have been, um, thanks, to the, uh, thanks to the efforts of colonization. Um, also, I was working on my broken spirit and the hurt my community had contributed to my brokenness. I found other teachings to help heal my spirit. Uh, what do you have to say to others in a similar situation as, as my experience? So I think um, to kind of paraphrase what Jane's saying here is that she utilizes smudging and other teachings on her own kind of internal road to wellness. And she just wanted your, your feedback on that, Elder. Yes. You know, I've been to communities where people say, oh, our people didn't smudge. You know, and um, I know that's a problem, gets to be a problem, you know, because uh, of our different lifestyles. Like some of us, some people are on the ocean, some people are in the plateau, in the mountains, and some are in the prairies. You know, we all come, and one of my elders said, the language changes with the vegetation. Things change depending where you're at. But, you know, like, if we look at smudging as a religion, I can see how people can criticize you. But I say, don't look at it as a religion. Look at it as a way of nourishing your spirit. And you'll, you'll use whatever works for you. And I encourage you to do that. I use sweetgrass today, and my people then use sweetgrass in Seton Lake, my community. 
but I'll still use sweetgrass because it works for me. I call it the kindness medicine. If I feel a little negative, I'll light the sweetgrass and I'll smell it. Oh, and I start to feel better already. You know, so I know this appropriation business, this word is out there. You know, and uh, one of the elders from up Northwest Territory said, um, he was in one of my podcasts, and he says, well, my view is, he says, if um, you're drowning in a river, and you don't like white Canadians, when they throw you a life ring, are you going to bat it away? <laughs> no. Of course not, you're going to grab it because you want to live. Doesn't matter who throws it. To me, the spirit has no color. The medicines don't know color. The smudging is strengthening you. By all means, I see anyone do it. All, I believe all cultures in the world would burn something to get the medicine out of it. When we're burning, when I'm burning sage, if I just use sage, for me it's for my body to open it up to release things like cold and stuff like that. Juniper is about negativity. Fungus is for my brain. Cedars for my spirit. There's different, like I say, there's medicines for everything in our body, including our spirit and the earth. So how can someone deny you from using medicine that's going to help you, is my question. And from my view, those people got a small view, narrow view. And it's sort of almost on sanctimonious, like holier than thou, you know. And, and I know we're all susceptible to that. You know, I we can turn on each other really quickly. In 1976, I started, 77, no, 78, I started using Sweat Lodge, my own. I built my own. And the church and the priest that used to come to our community said, there's someone here who wants to go back to the old ways. And he says, that's not our way. You're now following Christ. So I discourage that. And I went up to my sweat lodge the next day and somebody fell a tree on my sweat lodge. So we can turn against each other, even as Statlium people or Cree people or Anishinaabe. But to me, how you nourish your spirit is not my business. I'm willing to share with you how my spirit gets nourished. But if you find a way that it works for you, I got no right to criticize you. In fact, I'll be happy for you because you're doing it consistently with the good intentions. You're sincere. Yeah. This part sort of gets me upset sometimes when I hear people criticizing people for using medicine. That helps them. Yeah. Yeah, ultimately our, you know, our journey inward and um, and everything that comes along with that, it is deeply personal, right? It doesn't really matter how you get there. What matters is if it works for you. Thank you, Alder. Mm -hmm. um, so we're switching gears a little bit here. Um, and we have a question from Priscilla. Um, and Priscilla says, I coordinate the elders in residence program at uh, Aboriginal Health, so Vancouver Coastal Health. Many of our elders are eager to get back to supporting our community and our various clinics. How can I support them as they transition into providing virtual care and support? What considerations should I, should I take or should I make? So I think like generally, 
what would you suggest to other elders that are, are looking to to still provide that that wisdom and that knowledge um, and even just providing their presence to people in this time when they can't physically be there? What would be your, your words of advice to other elders? My word of advice is to, is to reach out, is let people know, you know, that re- realistically what you can share. But some elders, you know, they're really hurting. You know, they got arthritis, they got whatever. But to let people know, you know, I'm wi- like, I'll give you an example of this. They say, listen, I'm willing to tell stories for half an hour a day. I know lots of stories if they're, if they're a storyteller to reach out. And I'd also encourage elders, and I think a lot of them would be okay with this, is to allow yourself to be videotaped telling an elder a story, creation story. Because I tell story, I love telling stories. And um, I tell people, you know, my TV and radio when I was a small child was my grandmother telling stories. <laughs> you know, we didn't have what we have today. You know, and, and I remember those with such fondness. You know, the stories. So I think of elders have stories and knowledge to share. They find one person to say, listen, can you let the people know I'm willing to do this? Because they're not going to be found on their own. You have to send, I think we need to send a message out that, hey, I'm, I want to teach. I started doing that. I got people now that I talk to about how to do things. You know, I, I, I like I was at summer science with you guys last year, and I was wanting to teach how to build a sweat lodge. Because I say, you know, this could not only be a sweat lodge, it could be a dwelling, it could be a place for smoking salmon. There's many uses you can do to learn how to build a structure. You know, and I, as an elder, I want to do that. I think, you know, we started, we changed with society. We can't help it. We're overwhelmed. But I know good workers. I was working with uh, some elders in Broadway in Vancouver. They were in the center. So I go and learn hand drum songs and sing for the elders. But they would tell me stories too. It was a give and take. But the reason that happened is because that young woman that was working with them heard me speak and said, I, can you come talk to our elders? I said, sure, because I was a young elder then. You know, I want to hear these elders are, to me, they're real elders. And sure enough, they were there. They could tell me stories about ceremonies. One guy says, I'm composing music for a potlatch. I go, whoa. So I'd sit with him, you know. And so sometimes they need a guide, a young person. It goes out for them and say, look for students for them or whatever it is. You know, and um, that's what that young woman was for me. She heard me and said, can you come? And she would give me a gift, you know, and I go talk to those elders once a week. And we'd have a wonderful lunch. And she was such a, she was a perfect person for elders. You know, elders, sometimes they get cranky and they get 
you know, because they ache, you know, and stuff like that. And they can't move like they used to. And she would just sort of laugh it up or, you know, push it away and say, oh, come on, eat. You know, I'm going to fatten you up. You're getting too skinny. So you'd say, talk like that to some of the elders. You know? And they would come and eat. This relationship building is important. There's a thing called ageism now. We can see it with the coronavirus. Like the elders are put away somewhere. And some saying they're not taken care of well. They're not treated like a treasure. And I can see that. But also some of them would have never survived that long if that center wasn't there. They are getting help. Maybe it's not top quality help, but us as families, we need to go in there and help too when the coronavirus isn't here. You know, because it's like, um, like I see that with our kids with the education system. Okay, you guys teach our kids for 12 years. Then we don't teach them. That's wrong, because I fell into that. My parents fell into that. You know, we must take responsibility to help the elders feel purposeful. Say, oh yeah, if you can even tell one story, that'd be good. Or if you know about medicine or whatever it is you want to share, as long as it's positive. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Elder. So to kind of to, to sum that up, I guess, you know, elders need support. They need a helper of some kind. They need to have a relationship in place to do that work. And particularly when we're talking about transitioning to a virtual space, you would suggest elders be very upfront with what they could and could not do over that medium to make sure that um, everybody feels good about participating in that, in that circle, in that dialogue, or whatever it looks like. For me, it's a circle here, but it could be different in different communities, right? Yes, because everybody's energy is different. Mm -hmm. Like I know when I get to be 85, my energy is not going to be like today. <laughs> you know, it might well, you, you be. never I, know. You, you never, never know. know. I might be. I might even start to get younger. I don't know. <laughs> I'm working at it. <laughs> Keep doing that yoga. You'll be younger yeah. than I am soon. And my my kata. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so we have uh, one or two more questions before before we run out of time here. Um, so this this one is is a good question from Gail. Thank you for sharing your thoughts, Elder Jerry. Ceremony is so important for our healing that was taken away due to the negative effects of residential school and intergenerational trauma. Gail's question is, Indigenous women already were facing high, high rates of family violence before COVID-19 came into effect. And now women may be locked down with their abuser with nowhere to go, limited resources, and many places are closed. How can Indigenous women and children find a way out of this dark place if they are stuck in a bad situation? Do you have any uh, wise words, kind words for that? Yes, when this started, I, my mind got a little panicky. Because mm -hmm. I know this is real, you know, like murdered, missing Indigenous women, violence against women, it's very real. And I'm so sad it's happening. You know, and... Um, but to be, it's, it's easy for me to say be empowered. You know, but 
the one thing I say is what my elder told me. He says, Jerry, if someone steps on you and you don't make noise, they're going to keep stepping on you. So the thing to find is the right noise. To Who do you talk to about this? You talk to the ones that know how to handle this. As indigenous people, we tend to mistrust professionals because of residential school in the 60s scoop and, you know, uh, you know, Indian hospitals, all of that, we tend to not trust professionals. But we must start to, I think, like my granddaughters and daughters, they must make noise if they're being abused. To me or to someone else that can do something. If we just make noise to people that can't do anything, it doesn't change. You know, this is one of the saddest things to me. I've seen, I've seen it in my life. I, five or six years old, I see my auntie getting beaten. And nobody's raised a hand to stop my auntie from getting beat up. I see her face swell up. Traumatized. I call it the crazy new way of life for indigenous people. That never used to happen, in my view. If it did, the people were dealt with right now. You don't treat life givers like that. So I say to, you know, I, I tell people, you know, I got four relatives that were murdered, women. I know how real this is. And I know that all of us men must do something too. We must make noise too. We must let people know this is unacceptable. Otherwise we're just bystanders. We're not allies to the life givers. It's, it's hard. To be physically threatened and bullied on a daily basis. I know that because that's what happened in residential school. So I'm really glad for this question. Uh, you know, that you find, you don't give up, you find a way to be safe with your babies and yourself. Sometimes you have to walk and leave that one. Sometimes you have to make noise and that person's going to go to jail. Maybe that's what will help them. Because one of the things I know most women got the mother instinct and they even worry about the abuser. I was, I was helping um, a student in Vancouver who was going to BCIT. Her man was really abusive. So she told me one day, she made up her mind, I'm going to leave him. And, um, so I said, okay. I said, okay, that's good. Yeah, I see her. She's got her head on. I said, what's the matter? And she said, I wonder who's going to look after him. And I was sort of shocked. And I said, he's a man. He's not going to starve. You know, that shows uh, the depth of the life givers. 
worry about human beings, even if they're being abused by one, they still will worry about that one. It just shocked me. I mean, at that, that I remember. So she left and she became successful. It was a big decision for her. I know it is. We must make noise. We must sit down as society, as communities and families, and talk about what's not acceptable. Every one of us that have little boys, if we see them hitting a little girl or their mother, we must stop them. Say, no, we don't do that. The zero tolerance for males to strike women, doesn't matter what age you are. Because that little boy can become a man. And if he gets away with it and he's young, he'll grow up that way. So as society, we must say, this is totally not acceptable. I got so fed up with it in my life, in 1993, I was walking around saying that indigenous men don't have balls. Holy cow, some indigenous men almost beat me up. They say, why do you say that? I said, as long as we know of a woman been beaten in our community and we don't do anything about it, we're not really men. So if it's happening in your backyard and your community, you must band together as good men and go talk to that man and say, you stop that. See, we're, we're sort of into this, somebody's going to take care of it. The policeman or the probation officer or the parole officer or somebody. No, we must take responsibility, I feel. For a woman to feel all alone and just wondering what to do, that's a sign to us that this is wrong and that we must. Put our minds together, like Sitton Bull said, you live not too far from here, from where I'm living now, South Dakota. And let's put our minds together to see what we can do for the children. I really love those words. I feel that's what we must do. Put our minds together to see what we can do from the babies when their mothers being violated. What can we do? You know, I'm really sorry to, you know, the one that asked this question. Because that's what it's going to take, and I know it's not going to stop it right now. That's what makes me feel sorry right now. That we must realign ourselves as a society of men to say there's zero tolerance against striking women, zero tolerance to raping women, that we must do that as a society. Yeah. Thank you, Elder. Thank you for your words, I appreciate it. Um, 
So I'm just going to do my quick plug right now so we can get one more question in before we go. Um, uh, the UBC Learning Circle has a couple different sessions coming up in the coming weeks, um, including a session next week with Denise on um, gathering our medicine. Uh, following that into May, we're going to have uh, Melanie Rivers come and join us along with Leah Walker and talk about art therapy. Um, and finally, we're going to have a speaker series uh, in collaboration with the uh, with Ursi here at UBC to uh, to discuss a range of topics, including um, COVID, uh, generally focused on COVID-19 risks, responses, and resilience. So I'm really excited about that series and hope that you guys will all join me. Elder, before we go, I've got one last question for you. Um, and that is from Robin Ward, who, um, who asks uh, if you could please repeat the three areas of health um, for all of us to try to focus on in this time um, so that they can make a, make a health plan for it. If you could, if you could try, if you could remember back at the beginning. <laughs> yes. Cause this is, you know, this has become my, um, my guidelines. The three areas look after in healing workers, only three areas look after for human beings. First off, I'll go with the mind. We must free ourselves of negative messages that were put in our mind. Like at one time I grew up thinking I'm an Indian and I'm a stupid Indian. Then I grew up hearing lazy Indian, drunken Indian. That impacted my mind. I had to brainwash, wash my brain out of those filthy words that put me down because I'm indigenous. See, that was a mental thing for me. It caused mental stress. I beat myself up. So I had to literally free myself from those messages. That's with the mind. We all make mistakes in communication, let's say with our children or our loved ones. That's, that becomes a mental health issue because we say, oh, I shouldn't have done that. And you're tossing and turning at night. Why did I say that to my son? Yeah, it becomes a mental health issue. So we need to pay attention to this wonderful computer here, this mind, and keep it clear as we possibly can. So every mistake we make from, let's say from here on, we make a, a pact here to everybody that's listening. When we make a mistake, we're going to address it in the safest, best way possible for our own mental health and for the mental health of the people who live with us. So we take care of our mind. To heal your mind, like I say, as soon as you start talking about something that's weak with you, 50% of the stress leaves your body, then you may have enough energy to deal with that specific problem that's in your mind. The elders in the West Coast say, free yourself, put it down. Put what down? The negativity that come to your brain. Women get put down all over the world by men. They must take that out and put it down too. You know, so we look after our mental health by talking, by reading positive material, listening to positive music, you know, burning medicine like that fungus, go into your brain, help your brain. Now the healing work for the body, like I've had massage therapy, I've had brushing, cedar, 
with feathers, with hands to help my body, to get negativity out of my body. When people struck me like that, across my ears and my face, as a child, that put negativity in my body. So I started walking like this. I'm hunched over. I'm exaggerating it now, but I'd be hunched over. And I literally got stomach ulcers in my stomach because of the violence that was inflicted on my body because it got to my mind. So we get massage. We do saunas or sweats. We run and sweat. We do things for our body. Keep it nice and clean, you know, get that nice lavender smell and stuff for our body. And the biggest thing for me, biggest medicine now, is to get hugs from little children to where their arms are shaking. Like my granddaughters. When they do that, that's medicine for me. For my body, for my mind. So we take care of that body. And I always tell people, sit like an eagle. Don't be slouched over, because that's how you're going to walk when you get to be old like Jerry. You don't want to walk like that. Sit like an eagle, sit straight. Helps your breathing. But take care of the body. Good food. You are what you eat. Take care of that body. Then the third area is the spirit. And remember, that's what holds your body together. And for when your spirit is really strong, doesn't matter what the weather is, how many mosquitoes or whatever, the virus is here, you still want to live. You have this resilience and no quit in you. You want to be here. You want to participate in the life. You want to celebrate. You want to weep. You want to laugh. You want to sing. You want to dance. And your spirit is good. You want to be successful at everything you do. Washing dishes, sweeping the floor, cooking, working, being an uncle, being an auntie, being a grandparent, being a dad, being a brother, you know, any all those things you want to be successful, you want to be good at it. That's a sign of a really healthy spirit when you walk around like this. And then the third indicator of a spirit, you know, know you're doing good, is that you're kind. People could see it in your eyes. There's no anger, fear, or depression there. You're kind, and people want to be with you. When they see you come in, they laugh, and they call you over. Come on! That happened to me many times. I believe because I'm kind. I followed that teaching my granny. Don't you say mean words to people. She says good words. I follow the teaching people laugh when they see me because it's joy. Some of them, or they just see me, oh, come on. Because my spirit is good. So those are the three areas. You notice I didn't say emotions. Because the emotions are because of what happens to our mind or our body or our spirit. That's feelings moving around in our realm. Like when my granddaughter squeezes me and her point of her hands are shaking in my realm, it's all goodness. That's pure love. You know, but if somebody strikes me or gives me the snake eyes, it goes into my body. 
and my responsibility is to get it out of there. I tell people, you don't want to walk around. You don't want to, your grandchildren, your relatives to look in your eye and see anger there because they'll get afraid of you. You don't want them to look you in the eye and see fear there because they'll be afraid too. You especially don't want them to see depression in your eyes because it'll make them sad. And we get fear, angry, or depressed because we get traumatized in our mind or our body. And that's when they say, free yourself. Use the medicines. Brush yourself off. Shake it off. Dance. Do things. To take care of that mind, that body, and that spirit. That's what's required of us. Some people love to talk about emotions. I know they're real because I just talked about love. And I've seen the arrogance of a sexual abuser come after Jerry. That, that caused a lot of emotion, negative emotions in me. But you know what's stronger than that? It's the love of friends and relatives. That abuser has no power that can beat love from your friends and relatives for you. So you remember that you do that for other people. Hi, Chika Elder. I appreciate it, as always. Um, so that brings us right to the end of our time here today. Um, to everybody that I couldn't get around to your questions, I apologize. Um, but I really appreciate all of the questions that came in. And I, and I hope that what we were able to chat with chat to today was, was good for everybody else. Um, so, so for today, again, thank you very much, Elder uh, Jerry. I appreciate it every time we get to chat, and I'm a little bit, a little bit sad that we won't be able to connect again this summer. But, but they'll be next year. It's important for all of us to look after one another and stay safe and healthy during this time. So, thank you all very much, um, and uh, until until next week. Bye now. Hey, hey, hey.